relax. Those beats mean you're now listening to the very real people in places that supply your high. This is Grown Local with Billy Wayne Davis and Mike McGowan. I really never get tired of the theme song. I don't. We've been doing this, I guess, over a year now. Yeah, it's it's been at least 13 seasons, eight years, and I'm still enjoying this song every single time. You're doing a different podcast, but okay. I'm happy to okay. be on it. I, uh, oh, how's, how do you, how's everyone liking season three? It's a different tone. Everyone's learning stuff, though. I think so. I think it's a Colorado. Uh, this is a good one. This is a well, we get to learn a lot about Evan's college days. Uh, we did make fun of him <laughs> off off that. He's like, Yeah, it took me a minute to get going. So it is fun. He does have some fun college stories that don't really have anything to do with what we're talking about, but pretty cool. Uh, but then he gets into the nitty gritty and it's really great. And he's an impressive, he's like a casually impressive person. Is that, was that a good way to describe Evan? Oh yeah. Like you won't see it coming, but as soon as he starts talking, it's like, oh shit. Like basically running some shit. I like that. Yeah. 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 Like what we're giving you guys right now is the four horsemen of the legalization of Colorado like we're just there they all got their own talents they all got their whole things and like Evan if he came up to me at college and was like hey cannabis is safer for you than alcohol and just started kicking game to me I'd be like I've, yes I will sign up you know what I will get political and work on this he's part no he's like also yeah, once he describes what he's into now and like where he's been and where he came from and his story, it is like it's awesome. And but you're also you're like, oh yeah, I can see you getting involved in all this stuff and doing it well because you're it's you're he's like sneaky, he's like sneaky brilliant. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's like it's just a good hang. He seems like a fuck up, and then you're like, dang, a fuck up. This is a mirage. This is. He's- that's a, that's that's how you get into everything like you know he's got so many businesses he's been involved in so many different things and it's like oh that's how you did that you sly minxy motherfucker it's great it is it's inspiring and then we talked to his pals a little bit later uh it's it was just you know special times that we got to i feel blessed to overuse that that you use that cliche like sometimes when we get to meet some of the people we've met and get to talk to them it's like i don't know how this happened is awesome <laughs> like i think i feel like the on the political side like because that it's it's uh that's more my jam than the growing just because of hobbies and the way my brain works and operates so here watching them do that stuff is really fascinating to me i think it's like I relate it to uh, in the Patreon episode when Matt Kurth is giving us the tour and he's talking about the Hoopa Indians and how they kept their or uh, how they kept their land. Yeah. And he's like, the young people came in and they were just like, hey, I think we got to do like a, a like a their version of battle, which is like trick them into like land ownership kind of dealing and stuff and i was like yes that's how you yes that's that's what these guys did they're like how can we how can we do their thing but better than them like Like i said we (laughs) yes yes like like we said before like if you're sitting listening to this podcast in a non-legal state we are legitimately just giving you the playbook Prince, just we have the people to look up if you've got many more questions i think they're pretty accessible especially if you're like yo we're trying to legalize it in fucking georgia or south carolina you're like here we go and if you have friends that live in these states and don't know about this podcast send them this season send them your favorite episode and then tell them about this season because that's what we're trying to do with this one do the thing do it Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Evan Ackerman.
gonna be like hot ones that YouTube video where we're gonna eat the, <laughs> no. the pickle and give it. <laughs> no, we'll jumping that. right into. <laughs> Billy started crying immediately. <laughs> it was insane how that worked. <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, Evan gave us. Let me just read it. This is, yeah. it's called the original b- beer pickle. Uh, the super hot, salty dill pickle, inspired by the flavor desires of long distance bikers and barroom brawlers. Hey, that's a distinct. This is distinct flavor. Let me read the uh, the other one. This is my favorite. This is just so. The original beer pickle sprung from the mind of Rastafarian priests and the need to quench desires of untamed rowdiness. Consume these pickles with beer, lunch meat, spam. Spam is... Okay. <laughs> beer, sardines, crackers. Wing. I mean, he's just describing anything that doesn't taste great already. Uh, it's like Vienna sausages. I love a good Vienna sausage. You would. <laughs> Best consumed alone if trying to quit smoking, curing a hangover, or fighting irregularity. Sugar-free, gluten-free, preservative-free, but freedom isn't free is what it says. (laughs) It's it's a refrigerate after opening, and then it says go Texan. It is, of course, the Texan wrote all this. This (laughs) There's 12 12 servings per per container and only 5 calories. Oh, I bet you earned those five calories. <laughs> yeah. You sweat them right out. Oh, man. So, Evan, we're in this incredibly impressive facility that just kept going. I thought we were just going to make T-shirts, and then it just – there's stickers. There's, it's just this incredible uh, labyrinth, I guess is a nice word, for what you've created here. We love that. Any printing you need done on literally – anything you can do it here right yeah i mean and if it's not done directly under this roof because some things that people still need we have laws against in the u.s to be able to produce them here talk about like lapel pins certain kinds of metals because of the colors and inks and stuff but yes i've been doing this long enough to have sources though um to be able to get literally anything you could want with a logo on it is what we tell each other um, and I tell my salespeople. And another fun fact about us is that we're a union shop. Cool. Um, so, yeah, we're literally the only union shop that does what we do, at least as far as I've been told from my union reps, between Iowa and Vegas. So That's a big, that's a large yeah, swath of land a, right there. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of people know that yet, but we've had to go out of our way since the pandemic happened to really let people know that to really market by sending out flyers pamphlets brochures about hey introducing artist proof because as you can imagine a lot of what we do requires gatherings of people you know we would make concert teas shit yeah a lot me and my partner came up on parking lots hustling our own teas that we made in our garage you know what i mean um yeah I do. <laughs> some most of the time those t-shirts that you can get in a, in the parking lot are are I would say 50-50 cooler designs than you're getting in the venue. Oh, 100%. Yes, some of those hustlers, those street hustlers are like, this is, you should do this for a living. And they're like, I am, motherfucker. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, stop kicking my tires. You just paid 40 for the one inside. Mine's cooler (laughs) and you only want to give me 10? Exactly. (laughs) But... Uh, yeah, it's been a long road, uh, but we're just getting started in a lot of ways. I mean, it's obviously, you know, the beginning of last year, Mike Bloomberg had just come to town, and I mentioned that we were a union shop, so we're usually f- get first crack. And, man, this guy came to town. It was like Winnie the Pooh with a bowl of honey. And it wasn't just for us. Like, you read the stories about yeah. this guy. Yeah, yeah. Half a billion dollars he spent. Uh, in just the short time he ran. And it wasn't long. He if, wasn't running no, long. No. If, no. If, if he just knew how to debate, uh, you know, and I listen to a lot of Howard Stern, mm-hmm. and he... he He's from Long kind of, Island. Yeah, it's yeah. New York. <laughs> yeah, I have for a long time, and um, it's... I, I, I think the man's a genius. But he is very... Not, I will not could, argue with that. We, we could spend this entire time talking about his psychosis i guess but um 
he was a Bloomberg proponent. And after that debate, he came on. He's like, this fucking idiot. Like, if he, I, he's letting these people talk to him like that. You know what you say? You say, well, you were out. You know? yeah. <laughs> I was making millions of dollars. For, I was I was managing tens of thousands of employees. Like, you don't know how to run anything. And so it was just great to, to hear that. And unfortunately, who knows, though, where we'd be as a country, um, you know, uh, well, I don't know if we want to start to get into all that either. But <laughs> we can after the after the. Uh, I, I'm so curious about. So you moved to Denver not to do what you're doing now, right? What did you move to Denver from Long Island? So I was on Long Island. Uh, I had just graduated college um, from George Washington, but my freshman year of college, I went to the University of Richmond, and I still have two. Well, Maybe five friends from there. It was a weird place. I mean, I'm coming yeah. from Long Island. And you went to Virginia. And I went to Virginia. Yes. <laughs> and the only reason I applied to Virginia, because that U.S. News, like, best book of 500 colleges, you know, stayed on my table in junior, senior year, and I would flip through it. And one of the rankings was most beautiful campus. And my parents didn't go to college, you know, they did go to Queens College, you know, they didn't graduate, they're blue collar. And so um, I was the first one, I, I didn't know anything what a college, in my mind, college should be green pastures and big brick, beautiful yeah. buildings, <laughs> you know, and this place had a lake in the middle of it. Yeah. So I toured there and I was like, well, this isn't college, I don't know what is, you know, and the girls, you know, all uh -huh. blonde and my and they type and they <laughs> yes and they got Rich. manners yes <laughs> um so i you know signed up and they gave me a really sweet deal uh i never had to declare a major i had first uh choice at all the classes i could have done i picked my schedule Dang. um yeah so it was a really cool deal that they gave me no money though yeah. yeah, because my year, they just so happened to offer that up to 60 kids instead of 30. Still, 30 got money, but you can still get all the perks, but no money. Ah, and so. looking back now, I have two kids, and what I did to my parents with the money with college, like, I'd strangle my leg. <laughs> my, my boys not, and my girl aren't going to be allowed to go unless they get money, I think. I'm putting my foot down about that, you know? Like, what colleges have become... It's to, a scam. It is, and it's my poor scam. parents sending their son they're so proud you know mm -hmm. i was a good student in high school i had i could have went to one of the suny schools for free my yeah. dad said you went there i would have bought you a corvette i was like <laughs> <laughs> I, you know i was like ah, still i'm not going there you know like, right. I, I got prestige i'm trying to earn it is so, that whole blue collar thing though being like we'll do whatever it takes to send them to a college because that's a way out and then it's like Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. You Depen know, maybe. Well, it all depends on how you go about it. Yeah. Yeah. It that definitely. You know, they they just saw me coming out. You know, and and I believed it too. I, I used to say I thought I'd have an M three by twenty three. You know, <laughs> and it just didn't work out like that. Yeah. But anyway, so we're meeting each other. You get down there at orientation a week before school. You know, parents leave. First time you're on your own. Kind of nerve-wracking, but I'm pretty confident, dude. So, you know, but we smoked a lot of weed in high school. Yeah. And I didn't have any weed. And so I'm kind of cruising around, seeing who does what. There's a lot of dorks. I was in the honors dorm. And I, I'm sorry about that, but... I have a well, dork is a dork. not a. <laughs> I think that's a I'm pretty. I'm a dork. I guess I'm a I was huge yeah. dork. I think dork is a. It's a acceptable, accurate description. <laughs> People with dissimilar interests, let's say, are more scared to get caught with weed than I yeah, ever yeah. was. Yeah. And so I would kind of look around, and I met this one fella, and uh, I see, he, he reminds me of what I said. I said, "You got any trees?" And I was like, I said tree. I could picture that, I guess. But it's such a word that never gets thrown around anymore. It was. I remember the first time someone said, do you want to go blow trees in college? And I was like, man, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I, I remember saying that. I was like, man, I'll just be honest. I don't know what that I is. Know. You're a fun, and I probably do want to hang out with you. He's like, it, it's just... It's just smoke, you know, because good weed looks like trees. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. Okay. I was just making sure we weren't doing something really bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that man said, yeah, uh, I have trees. Uh, my mom sent me down with some. 
I was like, Jesus. Christ. Yeah, no, I remember <laughs> meeting people like that in my in my life too. Like, like, yeah, my mom smokes weed, and you're like, what? <laughs> How does? How does it, why would you? <laughs> How cool is your? Mom? And my mom was cool. Like, they were, my parents were cool, but I just never wanted to let on that part of me. Yeah, no. And we can get into really a lot about that. Is about you know how I think based on that stigma. You guys are going to have to rein me in a lot of times. That's so okay. That's what I do. I rein my but, in. That's my But um, <laughs> I think because you're having to hide that, it really affects your interpersonal communication with your family. You know, like mm-hmm. I would go weeks sometimes without calling my parents. And every day I know my mom's waiting for that call, you know, and it just didn't. And it, it's it's like almost you're having to hide, but you're not so much a shame, but just like don't want to have to admit that you're you don't want trouble and that conversation. Yeah, kind of is what you're avoiding, I think, because like with booze and stuff. My thing was too is like there is an antisocial stigma to marijuana, especially back then, like you know, late nineties, early two thousands when it was. That's what I'm talking about. That's when I was clear. in college yeah. too. Yes, and we should be more clear about that. But like yeah. that's when I was learning about cannabis and there was this thing of like there's only a handful of people that were like that if they were cool with it most people would smoke that's what i noticed like anybody that partied they would smoke from time to time but then act like they never did it or any and then so that part never i never understood that part and then i realized real quick like to me it was like there's nothing wrong with it you guys like i don't know why we're hiding this like it's it's awesome and it's weird we can't talk about i remember being that confused in college about it and then just having it kind of dictated who i gravitated towards because like there's this friend named matt who i was like me and matt would i would work we would do our classes or whatever and then we'd meet at my apartment every day and get ripped and watch mr show or whatever and people were just like you guys and like we had we were like we weren't in trouble. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, it just didn't make sense to me, that stigma. And then it was like not having that conversation with your parents. Because you could talk about drinking or whatever with your parents because it was so in your face about it. Yeah. I mean, mine even, like, if I told my mom I was drunk in seventh grade, she wouldn't believe me. Like, I remember <laughs> we were around the corner, and it was like, we I think we were sophomores at this point, maybe even juniors. So we had been drinking, you know, and smoking. But, like, at, we were supposed to stay at my buddy's house, and my one buddy drank way too much, and he was my buddy, and I was at my other buddy, you know, so it was friends of friends type of situation. He's like, he can't stay here. And I was like, well, I'm not digging into my house. He's like, oh, yeah, you are, motherfucker. So we carry him up through my front door. My mom comes running down. Sean, what the hell? Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and uh, and I'm like, I'm going to bed, you know. And this kid was pale white, and mm-hmm. I'll never forget my mom telling her and my sister stayed up with him, like, just to make sure he's okay and everything. But that moment in her life, she'll never forget it because I would never tasted alcohol until that point, and then I come home blacked out almost, you know. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> what a free- revelation for that poor woman. Oh, uh, but anyway, uh, so you're in college, <laughs> you get. You you start finding hey, there's some there's some potheads here. Not really. There was this one guy, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that man turned out to be Mason Tavert. And Mason Tavert to this day is still my best friend. Um, he is who I moved out here with. Yeah. I transferred my freshman year at Richmond because I couldn't take it. Um, I I got put with this one roommate from Boston. I'm a New Yorker. Oh, that doesn't work. I listen to hip-hop. He listened to show tunes uh, and Britney. And uh, and I had a girlfriend that went to Maryland, and she'd come down. every. I'd either go there or she'd come to me. and, And it was like, okay, bud. I haven't seen this girl in a long time. She's smoking. Like, you got to go. Like, go find somewhere. And he would sit in the room. (laughs) And it was like, you got to be kidding. Oh, my God. I had a bad roommate like that. (laughs) What do you guys want to do tonight? It was. (laughs) He was always. And then he got a girlfriend. And I was like, cool. And then they just never left the room. And by room, I mean, this thing was a a shoebox. Yes. No. And then I couldn't. (laughs) 
he was also the president of the university's nephew. So there was like this whole other. Well, I only lasted in the dorms one semester <laughs> because, and then I also figured out how much cheaper it is to live in an apartment than a dorm. And I nearly lost my mind. I was like, so you guys were charging me probably like 3000% upcharge <laughs> to live in a fucking closet. <laughs> and then I could go live in my own apartment for, and there were, you just see people just be like, yeah, right. And you're just like, I don't, this whole thing's this game. <laughs> I, I, I don't <laughs> understand if I had to do it over again too, but I can like, <laughs> this is fun. I, I don't think about this stuff that much anymore, but man, so the best part about this kid though. So that first night of orientation, I met Mason and it's a big fraternity school. So they like kind of see us bonding and like we know at a party and they're like, we want those guys. Yeah. <laughs> so they start driving us off campus and like hanging with us and like, you know, we could drink more than some of these seniors in college type of thing, you know? Yeah. And we're more conditioned in partying, you know, and we're a better time. So they're driving us around. So like, I don't get back to that dorm till like six, 7 AM. And like, why this this kid this roommate was like worried sick and so like the whole day they're telling you if you have a problem with your roommate it's normal just go to your ra and they'll hash it out you know the ra is a year older than you you know yeah, he's yeah. a kid he's talking mm -hmm. this motherfucker goes to the head of housing and says evan was out all night throwing up and i go i wasn't throwing up like, i'm better than that <laughs> i got it the director how i get a letter come see me immediately i'm like oh my god I've been here 24 hours and we got kicked out. <laughs> and, and I've never been in trouble in my life, you know? Like, I've never even gone to the principal's office growing up, you know? So it's like, who the, how the, you know? And it turns out it's this kid. So right away, I'm like, want to suffocate this dude. But like, it just, that was another best part. I wound up moving second semester next door to Mason, who was my best friend. So yeah. every day we were smoking and chilling and just getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. And I left because that whole situation, I just didn't like the school anymore. And I did have a girlfriend. So I went closer to DC to Maryland and I went to DC. My sister just so happened to be going to DC too. We're only 16 months apart. Nice. Even though we didn't really grow up brings me back to the weed thing. My sister didn't smoke weed. I would have to hide it. I think that really put something onto our relationship to where like we couldn't be that close because I didn't want to let her on to like no. I do illegal drugs. Well, and then she's <laughs> got to hide your thing and that creates a weird relationship with her with between her and your parents too. Yeah. I don't think she would. Yeah, if she did. Yeah, yeah, I guess I hear what you're saying. But anyway, so I go to GW. Well, talk about the difference in dorms. This place was an old hotel. Yeah. So I go Ooh. in. You go to your dorms. You'd have an elevator. The elevator played music. We had balconies <laughs> overlooking DC. It was like you got to be kidding me. This place is amazing. Um, but. You can't get high in. We could because we had the balcony. But I was going to say, dorms. man, when you said balcony, I was like. <laughs> looking back at it, dude, it's like. I'd still be going to college. So, <laughs> I have two doctorates. <laughs> it's just a bit. That, play, that was such a. My parents even, they were like, you got to be kidding me. This is where you live? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so how did you and your your partner get to Colorado? Okay, so then um, I, instead of looking for a career when it was time to graduate GW, I and three other friends flew to Bangkok and backpacked okay. for two, two months and came back and went back to Long Island, moved into the parents' house, figured it was, you know, probably going to be a week or two before I got that high-paying job on Wall Street. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I did. Know, I moved to interviews. my parents' house after I quit <laughs> college, that. too, where I was like, I'm going to get a serving job, and then I'll be a stand-up comedian in a couple months. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. I thought I was going to be a rapper. Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. it takes long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to practice. You yeah. Know, those things, yeah, you they know. needed I'm a real plan. Good I had to car. create a plan to tell them. Yeah. <laughs> so my parents are just getting pissed. I'm going to the city. I'm doing open mics. How'd it go? Amazing, Mom. Like, uh, Dad, you should have seen the response I got there. People coming up to me after the show. They want my autograph. I don't know. And, uh, <laughs> and they're like, well, what are you doing today? I was like, I'm going to go golf. Uh, yeah. My buddy's working the golf course. You know, he was like, well, then what? Uh, I don't know. Maybe see what open mics there are tonight. Well, then what time are you going to be home? Are you drinking? No. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> no, never. Not uh, 23. Not at 23. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, so you I just have to get a job. You're just kind of floundering. No, after. so I got, yeah, basically, but I got this job. I'm selling credit card processing, which uh, more people than you think have had this job. It's total pyramid scheme. You know, you, it's such a joke. I mean, I, so much of what I do now is sales, and I can look back on that as, like, people thinking they have this strategy and, you know, <laughs> they're going to teach you to be the best, and it's just such a tough gig. So I'm sitting there. It's raining. I'm in a suit. I'm in my parents' friend's kid's car because, like, my parents didn't know if they should get me a car. <laughs> I couldn't afford a car, yeah. you know, I didn't I've been very fortunate in my life, but um, and I just am like going into another strip mall to get another seven rejections, you know. And uh, I get a phone call. It's Mason Tavert. I'm like, buddy, what the <laughs> hell are you doing? Oh, not much, bro. What's going on? We catch up, and I was like, oh, what, what's really going on? He's like, well, funny story. I got this grant. I'm like, grant? What are you talking about? Yep, I'm going to Boulder. Boulder, Colorado. I've always seen myself there. Yeah, no, no, no. That's how I'm calling. Like, we're going to go, though. We're going to try to make weed legal. Like, we're going to try to go at the system saying marijuana is safer than alcohol. I was like, that sounds amazing. I was like, I, I, I'm sitting here in a suit about to have to get out of this car in the rain and go tell people to let me sell them their credit card processing. I couldn't be more miserable. How do I get on there with you? He's like, well... I do have to find someone else, but you know, we're really looking for a girl. I was like, I'll wear a wig, I'll tuck <laughs> yeah. it back, I'll do it, you know, get me out of here. He's like, he's like, he's like, I really wasn't calling to see if you wanted to come with me. I just wanted to tell somebody about what I'm doing because it's just like we just got this grant and got proved for it, and like it's exciting for me. And it's like, well, I'm sorry, <laughs> like I'm trying to. I need ride, in on yeah, this. I'm riding your coattails, but uh, what else is new? You remember that time I wrote that paper for you in college? Well, uh, <laughs> I can do it again. I'll do it again. Uh, so. He, uh, he's like, all right, just chill out. Just don't get fired yet. You know, like, yeah. don't quit. Don't get fired. Let me see. You know, I'm running up the flagpole. So he, uh, that had to be like the end of November in 04. And he called me probably two weeks later, like around my birthday, which is December 12th. And he's like, I got you in. He's like, you gotta, we gotta go in two weeks. We gotta be in Boulder, like beginning first week of January I was like say no more I'm in I was like but dude you gotta send me something that's super professional looking so I could show my parents <laughs> <laughs> that says we're gonna be able to fucking make money trying to legalize weed on college campuses and he's like I got you you know so I get it I show my parents you gotta be kidding me Evan I spent how much on your education we tried this in the 70s it's never gonna work you're never gonna make it happen but they were part of it then Kind of what uh, the legalization in the seventies? No, no, really. they were just kind my of. My dad was a greaser. My mom was afraid. Probably. <laughs> That's know. my parents. My my dad was not against it, but it wasn't for him. He mm. always, you know, he's like, it makes you lazy. And he I wasn't like like that. But, but uh, he wasn't a. You know, he wasn't like it's bad for you. He was just like it makes. And my mom teetotaler everything yeah. that makes you feel funny is bad. <laughs> yeah. So my new, and it's in my blood, uh, my grandfather and grandmother were in a band called the Honey Dreamers. I learned this a lot later, and I like to think that it explains why I went on this crusade. Uh, I'm pretty sure my grandfather, I never got to meet him. He passed away in January 81, and my mom's dad. And so, um, but he played trumpet and a jazz band they were on like well, Sullivan mm -hmm. and, my, and at my sister's wedding years later like her brother Brad Davis was actually a executive producer on a Deep Purple record he lived in London for a long time way in the scene but he's like Evan there wasn't a jacket of dads I couldn't go into and take some weed out of <laughs> and he was like he went to Mexico this one time he got in a lot of trouble they held him at the border like all this shit you know like Whoa. and I was like wow I love to hear that thinking that maybe in some way 
I was put there to try to make this shit happen. Yeah. Push it's it in your blood. Yeah. yeah. It's in your jazz blood. It's in my jazz <laughs> blood. That jazz blood. When you said he was a jazz trumpet person, you're just like, <laughs> well, okay. okay. Well, the stories I could tell you about it's that. About the, it's about too. the notes he didn't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly oh, what that is. Good. So, Mason and I fly out. We get this apartment in Boulder, and it's like straight to work. And. Him and a guy named Steve Fox, this genius, um, put this plan together that we were just going to go and basically the, the whole, the like Safer was created based on a poll that came out. And the poll said that about 30% of people know marijuana is safer, less harmful, at yeah. least not as harmful as alcohol. But in that 30%, like 80% agreed that it should be legal. So the, the idea was that if we can make more people know that marijuana is safer, less harmful, like doesn't cause violence, you can't OD, all the stuff everybody's probably heard before. All the facts. All the yeah. facts. The facts. <laughs> yes. Then, you know, you'll be, it'll be easier for it to pass the polls and, and people will vote to make it legal. Um, and that's It was just it clear from the research and the, that, Education was the number one catalyst. Yeah. It's like it was undeniable. And I can't disagree with that. I was just, last week I was in Austin, Texas. Uh, Willie Nelson's uh, Luck and his company's doing a um, cannabis summit very soon. Uh, it's very cool. And I was going around doing man on the street interviews for it. And, I mean, we were in Austin. So that is the coolest spot in in the loosest spot in Texas. Yeah. But everyone, if they were educated about it, even the people that were like, I don't use it or anything, but there's no reason it shouldn't be legal. It was just so funny to like, of the 200 something people we probably talked to that day, the only lady was from Orange County that said she, she wouldn't legalize it. And then I kept asking questions and it turned out because she didn't like the way her son acted on it. <laughs> and I was like, and I just rolled my eyes so hard. And her husband was like, I know, right? And then it came, he revealed that he used it way more than she was aware of. In the, <laughs> It was a very funny interview uh, that they weren't community. But she was the only one, and it was for this very selfish, very particular reason about her son. And we just, I just didn't want to be like, I doubt he's actually even using marijuana. I bet he's using something else and telling you it's marijuana. <laughs> and then the, and then the husband was just kind of like, yeah, just kind of yep. like, yeah, that's, that's what I always thought it was too. It was like, he ain't smoking pot. He's on something else. <laughs> but that's very, that's that. It just makes the most sense to me from my experience talking to people about it for the last 15 years is the ones that are truly educated about it know there's nothing dangerous about it. Right. And that legalization can only help the whole thing. Like keeping it illegal is, is creating the problems around it. Right. It's so clear. Sorry, I'd interrupt, but I get no. to preach you about it. It's, and, <laughs> I, I, and to see that, that you guys saw that, from the jump, and that's the the path you took. That's why it worked. Right. Well, I'll tell you why. Also, it was strategic to go to, and I we used to get flack about this, but it was Fuck strategic em. to go to CU and CSU because they both just had two students overdose and die from alcohol poisoning. Mm -hmm. A beautiful girl and a very handsome boy, and their lives should not white have been kids. cut And it was illegal for them to kids? be drinking. Were they white kids? Yes. <laughs> yes. And. But and it was like you guys are using their deaths to try to you know make it's a like, point. It's but like, that's what that that's a fact. Any, they well, also be, any fact. any political movement right <laughs> needs that punch in your face. Every one of them right. is motivated by some incident or mm. some. That's so when you're like you're politicizing that you're like yeah that's what <laughs> politics is. <laughs> that's what makes people care you're is right. when it's something that they can look at. And, and the be status like, quo doesn't want you to po politicize stuff because they're benefiting from it. So right. when, yeah, sorry, I'll get no. preachy on the pot. I like we're we're about to get really into it and all these. I I was hoping to bring all this stuff up and I play. I can remember it all, but it. Um, we so we were also. Can I point out that Boulder is also very smart too because it's 
that university is a lot of wealthy kids. Mm. So if you can motivate kids with money, they branch out and they control more stuff because of the capitalistic society we live in. It's a very, it's a very sharp place to do it first. I just, and I'm like all of it, as we're finding out through this, this season is like, it, it all makes sense now. And you guys did some very, very intelligent <laughs> strategizing mm -hmm. uh, that it just makes me very excited because because the joke for me is Boulder's always been like, it's where kids that can't get into Ivy League schools, wealthy Ivy Leagues, wealthy kids who can't get into Ivy League schools because of their their teenage criminal record go to Boulder. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said that one time on the internet and a bunch of, like several people that I didn't realize I had fans or like associate professors or stuff were like, yeah, that's why I quit teaching there. because <laughs> I was babysitting wealthy kids. <laughs> And I was like, okay, I, was, I, I just had like a theory, but you've confirmed it. No, I mean, Hugh Hefner's kid would drive around in a limo when we were there, uh, or get driven around in a limo, I should say, with the Playboy oh, hub, uh, what mud flaps and yeah, shit. yeah. No, I tried so hard to get up and smoke with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Uh, yeah, doesn't didn't care about me too much, but so we well, were though to he, a lot of people the coolest dudes on and, campus. And you nice know? hips. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I, I had mean, a much longer hair back then. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, we would stand out there, and our goal was to get an initiative because they had a ballot initiative process at, at CU and CSU. And so we were targeting the student government. We were finding students. We were building organizations. And with just that message, and that was it. There's all the other millions of reasons we know why marijuana should and could be legal, but that if those didn't matter. That's mm -hmm. not why we were being paid to be there. It was just to tell over and over, and Mason was a broken record. That's why he did what he did and got to where this play, this movement where it is, in my opinion at least. Uh, a lot of other people helped too, but like he was always on message, and that is so important when you try to make change. You know, like, I, I was never that good at it, you know? Like, mm -hmm. we even went to Congress, and, like, I, I start going off, and Mason's like, how'd that feel? I was like, it was amazing. He's like, well, it was not exactly what we were there for. <laughs> we just needed to tell them, marijuana is safer than alcohol. Marijuana is safer than alcohol. If they leave their thing saying that, they go home at their dinner table, and they're like, you'll never believe who came in. Some 24-year-old punk's telling us marijuana is safer than alcohol. That and we accomplished our mission, you know? Like, they don't need to go home and talk about industrial hemp or, uh, <laughs> you know, tax revenue. Like, that's not why we're here. And I was like, Point taken, Clear, sir. concise message yep. to get across to yep. people. And so from that point on, I was deputy and he was executive. And that was, you know, how we rolled. So we got the signatures to get on the ballot. The students passed it overwhelmingly. Uh -huh. We had a bunch of news coverage, you know, like it was working. Like it was getting picked up by the AP in some level. So we're like, what do we do next? And Mason and Steve decided that we're going to Denver. So we pack up our shit, we get an apartment in Denver, and we start going hard in Denver about trying to get something on the Denver ballot for that year. That would have been 05. Yeah, like yeah. right after school. So that was the f that worked we didn't expect it to pass it passed by like 65 percent or something like that's what Kayvon has that same we interviewed him he's the first episode it, he had that same reaction of like oh we didn't expect it to win. and then we won by a lot and we we're like oh shit what do we do that's yeah. it gives me chills just that moment and best then, feeling in the world there's some pictures of us watching those results come in and Kayvon was a huge part of it he was my my right hand man back then I was uh, in charge of like coordinating volunteers, and he was always there. I could always count on him. That you know, the more people you had at a press event, because that was the thing that was so crazy too. We'd send out these press releases. We'd not expect anyone to show up. There'd be fucking seven stations there. We're like, holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> We're like, we should have thought something to say. <laughs> it was nuts. Uh, but Denver, man, was such a different place back then. I mean, it's yeah. exploded since '60. You know, and that's what then, I it was told. Still a pretty quiet town. I that's what I told to Boulder him. In that's what I've been trying to tell them is <laughs> that when I first started coming here to do stand up, this town was no. that probably 2005, 2006 is when I first came, and it was this kind of like cow town city. Yeah, is what it was. Like there was a lot of like, like 
rich cowboys is how I would put it. You know, like cowboys with like a lot of, like, you know, because I come from cattle people, so you can tell like farmers. Their dads are rich cowboys. Now they're just, you know, living in Capitol Hill. Yes, that kind of vibe, but also like, you know, they still have this certain wardrobe or whatever where you're like, you're like, okay, those are creases in your cattle and kind. That kind of, you know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. But it was this, this quiet, I dug it. Because yeah. it was, it reminded me of like Austin or Nashville, where it was like uh, cosmopolitan rural people. Does that make sense? Mm. That's why I dug it mm. because I was like, oh, these are like my people, where it's like we can function and stuff in the country, but we'd much rather just run around learning new stuff in the city. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so that's, that, I do feel like it was ripe, though I didn't think of it then. Like looking back on it, it's just, I know I'm on a, like a broken record. I'm just, it's just the coolest part. It's like us being in Humboldt last season, which is the cradle of cannabis culture in America. Like that's where it started, even on accident, pretty much. Mm-hmm. If, you, <laughs> if you really talk to yeah. me, it was on accident. Mm. Uh, and then they were like, hey, this, this plant pays us money, is basically <laughs> what it was to come to here where you guys. It's just, I'm just happy about it because it's just neat to see like they did it for the plant and then educated the the country through smoking it and distributing it. And then you guys have came because I think without that base, you couldn't have went through and been like, it's safer than alcohol. It's safer mm. if they weren't growing it for, you know, 20 years before. Uh, so people did have used it and been like, it is safer. Yeah, and we're successful, you know, and we're even hiding it. You know, we would see a lot of those soccer mom types even, you know, and the successful dads who still could get weed and good weed, and, like, they would be signing our petitions and congratulating us and donating to our campaigns. Like, that was just so enlightening, you know, because you go out there and you expect to get kind of – and we were strategic about where we would go. Like, there's this place (laughs) in Cap Hill – called it's king supers but it's affectionately known as queen supers because it's a very liberal area and we would just stand out there for days and days and collect <laughs> signatures and get these things on the ballot um and people would come there and 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 just like really be encouraging the second you went outside like you know you go to kind of castle rock when we started running statewide initiatives the springs man they would look at you and just curse at you and you're the devil and like we started to touch on this and it's like okay well why do you think it's illegal because it's illegal (laughs) <laughs> well, sir, I took several classes, logic classes, in fact, in college, and that is that syllogism doesn't work. You can't, it can't be illegal because it's illegal. No. So let's have that conversation. No, no, I don't have that time for that. You're a druggy burnout loser. We had this health teacher that used to say that. It was like, all right, well, he's never gonna get it, you know. And like, he doesn't some, want to get it. He, he's not supposed to get it. Yeah, he's he's too much of the. I'm gonna fall in line, you know, and, and I don't want to ruffle feathers, and. God, you know, what would this country be if people just were like that all the time? Like, you know, there'd be zero civil rights. And that's fascism is what that is. But it was I've never could conceive of somebody living their life like that, you know, Mm -hmm. and 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 if I could, I would have never talked to him because my first question would be, do you smoke weed? They'd say no. And I say, "Okay, cool. Have a nice life. You know, the way they say no. (laughs) That's what I I saw is like the way they say no. We're like, no, I'll smoke weed. I'll see you later. Um, I don't believe you. But it was really kind of definitely enlightening, but really frightening, too, to, to meet some of these people who just have never really given it the thought. And God, like the amount of money spent. And, and then so before even this, I, you know, this whole safer thing, like mm-hmm. I, I had these seeds in my mind because I did a whole college presentation like I was a communication minor so like one of those courses we needed to pick a topic and my teach my professor was like this old head you know and she like somehow I don't even know how I got there but I got to industrial hemp and mm-hmm. I was a Jack Herrera emperor wears no clothes oh yeah 
student. Like I would give my presentation, she would mark you on eye contact, how you delivered the speech. Anytime I'd look Public at her speaking course. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Anytime I'd look at her, her face was down in her desk, just like reveling in the information <laughs> I'm giving these students. So she could, I could have been reading from a book and she wouldn't have known. And I, a, a plus, you know, like, but man, it, I came out just, you hear about the, the Harry Anslinger and then the Mellon Bank and Hearst, William Randolph Hearst and paper and trees. And, you know, like, so the, it just makes so much sense to somebody like me, but you know, it's conspiracy theory to other people. You know, um, rich people don't well, try to tank other industries. What are you talking <laughs> about? Especially Baron type. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they don't. They don't yeah, the Barons with, with incredible power. Yeah, they don't love that. They don't uh, love Dupont. They yeah, don't get yeah, off D- on Dupont. That. Exactly. Like, oh, so this plant is a natural medicine that our body responds to. What if we make it go away and we can give them these pills mm. instead that really don't, they just kind of mask stuff. They don't cure things, so they have to keep getting more pills. And if we live in a capitalistic society, we get more money that way. What? See, this is when I start getting into aliens. <laughs> and that we're, we're different species of human beings. It's like, which is like, you know. It's a possibility. It's not. It's, <laughs> but it, it it is that type of human being that we're even like. I don't know. I think some of us might be lizards. <laughs> but what I do think it is is, it's not that. It's that I've met enough wealthy people that once you get a certain amount of money, and you're not actively keep trying to keep your feet on the ground, you become cold to the world. Yeah, if it doesn't affect me, why do I care? It's I've shook the hand of the guy that his name's Don Laughlin, and he owns the, the city of Laughlin, Nevada. That's him. <laughs> he started that city, which it's it's just on the border of of Arizona and Nevada, down on the Colorado River. But I shook his hand, and to this day, it's it's a cold that i've only felt from a couple other people and i'll tell you who after we're recording because mm. a couple of them are famous <laughs> but it was like cold like to the touch wow and i was like oh you've you're like a lizard at this point because <sighs> money is the only thing that truly motivates you and human beings and it was just like like not like a real lizard but like oh that's what they mean by that no i know what you mean and i think that that's where cannabis became illegal is those type of people they didn't see what it was helping they see how it could help them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean but then it brings you to the prison industrial complex you know mm-hmm. like when i'm going so we were like stars right we got this thing legal in denver we're getting press all over people are actually saying marijuana is safer than alcohol on the news you know <laughs> like mason went on on fox once and he, he called our mayor at the time hickenlooper and pete Coors drug dealers and like the guy almost choked on his like you know saliva like when mason said it it was one of the greatest moments we'll ever witness you know (laughs) drug dealers (laughs) well they sell a a more harmful drug than marijuana sir and you know and it really we were just we don't do facts on here (laughs) (laughs) so we were getting like you know flown to these uh drug policy conferences and just getting to meet like the people like the marijuana stuff is like the tip of what like a lot of these activists work on, you know, and it's really like stuff you would never hear about unless you like really go and find it, you know, and really amazing people, Rick Doblin at uh, maps, like doing psychedelic research way back then, a Harvard guy, like, you know, the, the most, the kind of guy you should be taking the most serious, you yeah, know, yeah. but, mm-hmm. and he's such a little wizard, this guy, you know, what, what a treat to like meet some of these people on the forefront, you know, they're not in it for the money. There's no money in that shit. You know, hopefully there were like a couple of these big donor guys like, uh, Peter Lewis was started progressive insurance. He funded a lot of this type of activism. Oh, I'm switching. <laughs> I was going to, I was, uh, yeah. I was literally He's like, dead, so, so I don't know if it's still the same, but, but uh, still I'm but deleting. I, Geico <laughs> yeah, I was just saying, I was like, fuck you Geico. 
I like flow anyway. Yeah, She's yeah, dope. Yeah. Yeah, Geico's a lizard. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> it's That's cold. Exactly. It goes back. And all it comes together and flow's cool. She's like a real lady. <laughs> I do like flow. I've not heard of it. It's a But that has to be so exciting. You're on like the ground floor of all this stuff happening. Because I'll tell you, being out in Oregon when Colorado went full rack and legalized it, and they were the first one in the country, I was like, Yo, fuck those dudes. Where'd they come from? You know, we've been on the West Coast growing weed way longer than them. And then they just hop the line and they get legalized immediately. Everybody's going there for tourism and stuff. So, like, it must have been amazing to be on the ground floor of all that. No, I literally got to watch change happen, you know, and, and it's... It, Which and that a, doesn't happen a lot right, in this country. Well, right. to see it that quick, mm-hmm. I think that was... I just think the way you guys went about it was so intelligent and I didn't realize the design strategy and uh, because I mean, being from the South and just knowing the stigma there, I just didn't think it would, it, I knew the South would be probably the last place. Cause when I moved to the West coast, Bowling Green, Kentucky is the first place I really smoked weed. Is, uh, I played baseball for a couple of years. I smoked some snuff <laughs> from the these two Puerto Rican guys. Uh, I played baseball with. Um, were they were straight from Puerto Rico? Uh, one of them could barely speak English. I'm not sure what classes they took while they were on the team. Like, if we're <laughs> being honest, like I was just always like, I was like, you guys are here for a, like a year, maybe. Uh, but one dude got some stuff shipped and it to us and i'd only smoked weed like once and you know i didn't get that stoned or what you know the first time you do it i just remember i thought parts of married with children were funny and i was like well there is something to this stuff because i don't care for this show and this is fun and my friend was dying but he's a little dumber than me and i was like i bet i know why you like this shit um but eliazar got this shit shipped to us and i'd never seen anything that looked it looked like the remember the chronic 2000 that how it was like glowing inside Uh, that cover uh that cd i was that's what it looked like and i didn't know that was real i thought that they just did that for art on the (laughs) chronic you know i was like cool they made that effect look it's so green and then he pulled this shit out and i was like whoa look out what color is that and then we were all drinking keystone light you know because it's (laughs) It was $5 for a 12-pack, and you could drink a million of them. (laughs) And I hit it twice, got instantly stoned, like that kind of like, but I was drunk, so I didn't really understand it. And then I looked at my friend Andy, who didn't smoke at all, and I was like, we need to go. (laughs) And he was driving. He was like, okay. And we walked out of the park. We've been there like six hours. We've been (laughs) – it was two hours past time to go. And – he said, and I didn't know that this was, there was two things that happened that night. I didn't know that we'd actually look like that and could look like that. And then I projectile threw up, <laughs> which I didn't know you could do. I thought that was like a movie thing. And he was like, he was like, I wasn't even concerned with you. He was like, I was just like, whoa, that's, that's real. crazy. That's, that like, Cause it was just, you know, just <laughs> keystone, just like a gallon of keystone light shot out of me. Which is mostly water. <laughs> He's like, but it shot out. And I was like, no, I felt amazing afterwards. <laughs> Systems all clear. Oh, yeah. The whole, uh, everything was like, raw. But then I just felt like drunk, you know, or like a really good drunk. But I guess I was really stoned and didn't realize it. <laughs> and then we had to run the next day. So it didn't matter. I wasn't. But I do remember being like, I you can't smoke that because it makes you throw up. <laughs> <laughs> and then for like a year and a half until I smoked some again and then got really stoned and then I was at myself to understand that it wasn't bad. But that... It's almost as if the alcohol was bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and that's why you guys have to educate people and tell them about it. I had a rhyme. It was like, it's the safer alternative for enjoyable recreation and less dangerous form of intoxicating celebration. <laughs> keep going. Keep no, going. I wish I'm I remembered it. This nation's legislation is based on... No. <laughs> but I would do that. We would, on the college campuses and stuff, Mason would let me grab my mic and like get up there. And there's a picture of me in one of the newspapers with my arm up. Like, like, <laughs> out, you know? Like, we, we're gonna need that. Picture. Yeah, I would like to see that picture. Find that. Yeah. Oh man. What, oh, go ahead. What would you? I mean, you, you guys were just so effective with it. If there's anybody listening to this podcast or like, besides cannabis stigma, there's this thing about America that I don't like that I would like to see changed. What would you tell them to focus on to make that happen? Because you guys crushed it and did it so well. What do you think is like the thing to focus on to make something change? Honestly, man, it's it's the hardest question. I go back and forth every day about it. You know, it, what it is is that the people who are affected by these problems most of the time aren't the ones who can sit and be able to fix them. You know, so like for me, like I was never caught with weed, you know, I would have been fine if I never even, de- you know, I could buy weed, I could sell weed, I could have weed in my car, mm-hmm. you know, and I was going to be fine, yeah. you know, and it's yeah. just what goes on in this world. But I think about the dude who was in jail, like, man, when's some motherfucker like Evan going to stand up or Mason or Steve and say something about how wrong this is, you know, and so you really have to take yourself out of your own current space and it's responsibility you get okay. like it's no i can articulate what you're saying <laughs> please it's my job please uh <laughs> it is and to quote spider-man <laughs> if you want to get down to it is uh great responsibility is when you get power you're also given responsibility and that's the way my parents always taught me is that you know, if you're in a leadership position, I was the I was the oldest, and I have two younger sisters, which is a shitty, it's shitty growing up. Like, the, I say shitty, it's not <laughs> shitty. It's shitty if you're trying to be a fucking selfish fucking little fuckhead. You know what I mean? <laughs> but you have to. There were things I knew in high school that my young that looking back, and they've thanked me later for years. They didn't thank me, but like stuff I could be like I could protect them. And and be like, don't fuck with these people or these or go to these people and be like, if you ever fuck with my sisters, I will kill you, kind of. Thing. <laughs> but like, like as a parent too, it's the same thing. Is like, listen, I have this opportunity to do some stuff and can change some stuff, uh, and I would, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing. I was, I think it's empathy is what you're talking about more than anything else. And that is, that prevents change is people's lack of empathy. If more than anything else I've noticed, if you want to break down like what you guys did with your strategy and be like, no, if we, all we have to do is change that one perspective of it's safer than this thing that's already out there that we can't put back in a box mm. we've tried that's but we can't brilliant right well and that's empathy he's like if we can get that in people's head to be like this is this is worse then they start seeing it from their point of view like that lady i interviewed in austin i said i was like do you drink and she was like yeah and i was like well it's everything you just described why is that okay and she goes it's just different for me (laughs) (laughs) but that would be one of the biggest things going back to when we'd be collecting signatures and how people would throw it back in our face and be like well then why don't we just make alcohol illegal then if it's so bad we tried that yeah because prohibition doesn't work in a free society people you know the quicker we are and that's power to 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 the worst people too Mm -hmm. the people that don't care about the consequences or it Prohibition made all the criminals very, very powerful. But so, I think, and, though, what you're asking... drug prohibition this- makes, uh, let's say, people that, that operate through dark money very powerful. Mm-hmm. 
Let's yeah. just say that that's a, But is that on purpose? Like, that's what you got to ask yeah, yourself. Yeah. If we agree, yeah, exactly. If we agree <laughs> that prohibition doesn't work as a society, that then is the, the, the what is it? Like, that should be the starting point for every social justice issue, right? If prohibition doesn't work, then how does that affect every other social justice issue? Because in my experience, the idea of prohibition and even just as simple as drugs once we have a new outlook and a new strategy it will ripple so far out that we can't even think about it because think about like drugs are illegal therefore we put people in jail for it well usually people who are addicted to drugs and do bad things for drugs have mental health issues well what do we do about mental health well we used to have big asylums where they could go to they were on long island i grew up with them but i i used to uh I practiced driving my car in them because they were empty <laughs> even by the time I was only 18, which was in 1996. And they've been empty ever since. Since, uh, since uh, an actor became <laughs> the fucking, about 1981 when we were and born. If people could yeah. just say no, then we wouldn't have be having this conversation. But you know what? People like to have fun. And these things have been around for... I don't know if you noticed this about your children, but when they're, ta- when they're babies, they like to... Uh, ram their head into their uh crib all babies do that a little bit Mm -hmm. and do you know why they do that it makes them high (laughs) (laughs) we all like head changes it is a simple fucking thing they all do that (laughs) wow because it makes them a little fucking stumped. <laughs> I'm going to have to sit in this crib all day. Uh-huh. Might as well yeah, get high. I've been awake for 15 minutes. <laughs> Nobody's coming to get me. <laughs> so, I mean... So then it's like the mechanics of empathy, basically. Like, you have to get people to care about something. Well, what you did, it. too, and this is something that I preach so much, and, that, and it's that getting the message across, and that's the thing is, like, I learned this from a comedian that I worked with early on before I was good. I was his opener. And he was really good about going on the radio and doing the same bits, certain bits. And that would drive me fucking crazy. Because <laughs> I'd be like, God oh, damn, man, you did the same thing. And like some days we'd do like three stations. He'd do it three times in a row within like an hour. <laughs> and I would just be over there like, oh. And, you know, after a year or so noticing, I was like, hey, why do you – why aren't you in the moment when we do these radio stations? He's like, oh, because uh, most of those stations have 800,000 people plus listening. And why wouldn't I do my best bit in front of them? So then they come see me and then they hear. And I was like, oh, oh, I'm trying to be in the moment in this room. And you're thinking this grander thing. And he was like, and it just hit me in that, like that repetition about like, Y'all standing in the Queen Super every day. I'm like, these guys are here. Until we get those signatures, this is our spot. (laughs) It's discipline, too. It's empathy and discipline is what facilitates actual change, whether it be this grandiose thing with prohibition or in your own life, where it's like this steady thing you have to do every single day. And you guys took that and change cannabis and i don't it just makes me so fucking happy <laughs> <laughs> but it's not like we were out there trying to legalize drugs like that's a pretty a lot of people can get behind that like when you're talking about other big problems in this country it, they're not as sexy you know so it takes a special person to be able to figure out how to make that change and there's not a lot of money in it so if that person has kids or a family or grew up without anything they're not it's not going to drive them over to that they're gonna try to want to be make money have money in this country i think my Um, my friend he was on the police oversight committee uh for eugene you know it's a group of uh the police chief and you know some elected officials and you know people can come and they go over different cases that went on with the police and like my friend was telling me about this i got so hyped and everything i was like man i want to go there i want to participate in that i want to do it he's like okay well it's a 11 o'clock you know every tuesday um and it's like well i gotta i gotta work man and it's like well yeah that's why they plan it at this time so that people really have to be able to do it or passionate about it and it's like oh okay i see what they're doing there and it's is it all on purpose you know and like and that's it's not not on purpose if you though really making enough noise 
Do you not think you're going to hear how Evan Ackerfeld lost control of his car when he was coming home from the mountains and, like, died in the gutter? Like, no, you know? Like, that's what my biggest fears are. Like, and hopefully they're completely that conspiracy, uh, you know, crazy talk. But I named my son Lennon, you know, for John Lennon, because I feel like if that guy was still around, and now the government didn't, as far as we know, have anything to do with his death, but he made enough noise that some crazy person thought it would go kill him. I thought it was Joseph Lennon. When you first know. <laughs> <laughs> Vladimir. <laughs> well, I was like, go on. Go on, yeah. Let's, let's get real let's red on. about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's move into my next uh, manifesto. But it is that uh, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Uh, and I just think there is something to be done with the responsibility that especially white people have in this, this What world. about the richest people? Like the pandemic ruined so many people mm -hmm. and so many others got more money than they could ever dream of. Why isn't a Jeff Bezos out there trying to be like, I want my name on every fucking building for the man that I am, for the things that I did in this world. Like he has the power and, and means to be able to do that. I think now, now <laughs> Bezos is interesting to me because he is grounded in some kind of empathy because of the way he's always gone about what he's doing. Um, he's interesting. To be, I do think there is an evil side of him, and I think that gets cold once you get a certain amount of power. There are other people that I think he fights that are truly not good. Yeah, I hope so. And we'll never know, you know. We'll, we'll, uh, us as the outsider, you know. Because, you know, Jeff Bezos... Do you know where Amazon... Amazon doesn't make their money from selling stuff. Do you know that? Mm, okay. Go on. <laughs> Do you know that? No. No, they don't make their money from selling things. That That's the... They might break even, make, make a little bit of money from that shit. Do you know what AWS is? Amazon Web Services? Oh. Not enough. Oh, we might have to cut this out of the yeah, interview because you should their, go down a rabbit hole about this. Uh, that's where they kick Parler off, right? Amazon Web Services is a cloud function, more or less. It's a cloud for businesses and government. So most five, Fortune 500 uh, companies used Am use Amazon Web Services, and then a lot of government agencies are now going to Amazon Web Services. That's where they make their money. Hmm. So that motherfucker has everybody's secrets. <laughs> and I don't mean like Boeing secrets. I mean like United, like the CIA and shit secrets. Really? He also, this is not, this is a separate this is podcast. A podcast. We, we, we will, uh, <laughs> and we're over our time on yeah. this one. So, uh, and what we may do is come back, uh, if you're available Sunday, I could probably make myself available. Like sure. Sunday afternoon, do a, a do a part two. Yeah. Because we've got a couple lined up. Because you are awesome. We do need to do a part two, but we are on. Yeah, we're at Lot of college. Uh, there's more, probably more college than I remembered. Um, but it's got kind of, there are good stories. I think that's why we didn't stop him. I was like, I don't know, this is kind of funny, so I don't care. Uh, I went to community college, so I was like, yeah, give me some of this college experience, I'll take it in. I'll do, we should do, you should do an episode of podcast Wayne Davis. Um, and we talk about college or, or what we did during those times. We should do that. That's <laughs> fun. Uh, guys, thanks for listening. Join our payments, different Patreon. Join our Patreon. We got bonus episodes. You can hear that Matt Kerr thing I was talking about for the cannabis, the Humboldt Cannabis Tour. Uh, there's a great Bigfoot story on that episode, too. It's $5 a month. You guys will love it. You get early access. You get Mike's dime bags when he starts recording them again. And for 25 a month, you can learn to grow cannabis with Mike and I. Mike Mike made us kill our seeds because uh, he's he's trying to do something noble, and but it happened. But this is why we're doing it. It's awesome. I uh, 
hit us up you guys if you got any questions grown local pod if you want to advertise grown local pod at gmail.com follow us on twitter grown local pod or instagram grown local pod if you have any of that shit just google grown local pod mike mcgrow and i love you so much you guys grow your own everybody's Thank you.